Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you. We bless and exalt your name, Lord God Almighty. We just magnify you because you're loving, faithful, gracious, uh, wonderful in every situation. You brought us thus far, God, in the year. And God, here we are, once again, sitting at your feet, being our interest to know you and be more, to get closer to you, Father God. We demand now for instructions and revelations. Now, will cause us to see greater things in your world and to know you the more. So, Father, open up, up our spirit and cause us to receive sight, wisdom, and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so we want to start a new series, and I'm very convinced that you're taking time to go back to some of the things we'll be talking about, things we've been treating. Um, we want to start a series and I call this What is Man? What is Man? Hallelujah. I mean, that's going to be from Psalm 8, and then we're going to be reading from 3 to verse uh, 6. Now, what I really want to do with this series is uh, when I look at all that is going on, some of the messages all across and I mean, watch television, watch broadcast, and see the focus of people, the teachings that are going on. I mean, we need to find out exactly why God, even for one, decided to make man. Does he have any reason at all for creating man? What is the purpose? Why will God choose to create man on the face of the earth? Because from what we're seeing is of man thinking, okay, sooner or later everybody get out of this world. I mean, you look at the situation, what is going on, people born, die, you know, come to life, they die, get buried, and funeral ceremonies, left and right, all of that. Is that how it's going to continue and for how long? I mean, if it is just people coming here, they live 80 years, 100 years, and they die, and the circle continues just like that. Is it that God is doing an experiment with man? Hallelujah. Do we have any hope of thinking that one day this circle of death will come to an end? Is God having any plan ultimately? From the very beginning that he want to make man to inherit the earth, possess the earth, and have dominion, like we're going to be reading. Why did God create man? And what is he doing with mankind? That's my question. Now, these are the things we want to look into. Because the thing is this. You, you could be serving God without really knowing why you're even serving the God you're serving. And if you're teaching people, you're preaching and... and you know, you come to believe in the faith and you don't know where you are going, why you are even doing what you're doing. I mean, I don't know why we should even have anything to do with that. 
If it is just because maybe we will not go to heaven, I mean go to heaven or we're not going to go to hell, or we're going to prosper, if that is the only reason why we have to be Christians, I don't know. Does it really make sense? Uh, of course, we don't have uh, uh, people preaching that you don't need God to, to succeed in life. So, okay, if that is the truth, okay, then fine. So, why are we actually in the faith? What, what are we in the faith for? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, we want to look at this. And uh, it's going to be a long series, I believe. Uh, but then, let's try to answer this question from the scriptures. We're going to be looking at the scriptures and see the position God really uh, has for man and why we are where we are right now. And by, by that I mean this kind of condition that we find ourselves. Why we are where we are right now. We're going to be seeing all of this in from the scriptures. So Psalm 8 verse 3, and the Bible says, When I consider the heavens, the work of their fingers, heavens now not where, you know, just talking of the atmosphere, right? The moon and the stars, which the has ordained. Praise the Lord. What is man that I am mindful of him? And the son of man that I visited him. In other words, why are you concerned about human being? When I consider everything you've made, the stars, the moon, all of those things, and all of them are hanging in the position that they are. You know, as if they are suspended. They are just there. They are not falling down. When I looked at the entire world, I still come to discover that you are concerned about mankind. Why? Why are you concerned about human beings? Hallelujah. So David is asking this question, and I think it's a question that every one of us need to really look into. Verse 5 says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Oh, help me now. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Let's take this from the NIV. Then I begin to look at it again. NIV. Is that NIV? Okay. No, no. Go to verse 3. NIV from verse 3. When I consider the heavens, the work of the fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that art mindful of him? And the son of man that hath visited him. Hallelujah. I'm still looking at this. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Praise God. And crowned him with glory and what? And honor. Praise the living God. When I look at the night skies, it's another translation, and see the work of the finger, the moon and the stars, you set them in place. What are people that you should think about them Mere mortals that you should care for them. You made them, you made them only a little lower than God. And I want you to take note of that. And crown him with glory and honor. So look at this picture. 
Hallelujah. He made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Other translations, he made him lower than God. And I'm going to explain that. And this is very crucial. Why will God make him a little lower? What was his original state? If you made him a little lower, that means he was occupying a position, and the position that he was occupying was that of God. Hallelujah. Okay, let's quickly look at Genesis 1, 26, 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fish... I mean, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in what? In his own image. In the image of God created him, him male and female created in them. Now for what we see here, going back to the book of Psalm, he now said, you made him a little bit lower. Lower from what position? From being in the image and likeness of God. You go back there to Psalm 8. Psalm 8 now. What do you see there? What is my that I might be full of him and the son of man? For thou hast made him, verse number 5, a little lower than the angels. Take another translation, only verse 5. Any other translation you want. This one says, He made him a little lower than God, NLT, and crowned them with glory and honor. He made him a little lower than God. Okay, another translation says, Hallelujah. Yet, you have made him a little lower than God of glory. And you crowned him with glory and majesty. You made him a little lower than God. Hallelujah. You see, this position of being lower than God is where we are right now. Where we see all that is going on, going on. Now, you made him a little lower than God and crowned him with honor and glory. I'm going to explain that. When he said a little lower, that means he was taken from a position of authority and height, as it were, in that state that is called God, and brought him down. Now, the word God there actually means the word Elohim. Which actually we're speaking of God in terms of not the Almighty God. But what he's trying to say is man had dominion, man had authority because he was to carry the express image and the glory of God. That's why they have dominion over everything that God has made. And then you can go back to chapter one, you'll be able to read when he said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God made man in the beginning God. 
Now, when you look at the word God in the very beginning, is the word Elohim. It is the same word that is used here in the book of Psalm. In the beginning, God. Now, the word God there is Elohim, and Elohim is a plural name. It's just like you saying, when you call my father's name or my son's name, Ogaga, you are not just referring to me, you are referring to the whole family. Is that okay? So now all my children have to bear my name, which is their surname now. So it's a family name. You understand that? Good. And it shows that there is a kind of characteristics and attribute that every one of them have to have by reason of that name which they are carrying. That is, there ought to be a composure, there ought to be a way of life by reason of that name. Is that okay? Yeah, it's a genetic name. So when you say God, you are actually referring to a community of people. Praise the Lord. That's what the word Elohim really means. And that's why you, you've seen that you made him lower than God. That is to say, man was lower from the Elohim position to another dimension of life. And I'm going to make you see that. Hallelujah. Made him a little lower. The word little in Psalm, when you say a little lower, the word little there actually means you lessen him for a little time from God. Hmm? That made him less than God for a little time. That means you just brought him to a state where he's no longer the God that he used to be, but for a moment, if I may use the word. My implication, man is not meant to be in this condition perpetually. Because it's a little lower for a little time, for a period of time. So it's not going to be forever. By implication, man is going to go back to where he used to be, in the state of the loin, the state of God, that he was before he was brought down. Now, that will take us down as we begin to progress. That man being made a little lower was now the handiwork of the devil. It was God's intention the world that he said, you made him, not the devil. Are you with me? Good. He made him a little lower. A little or a few moments. Hallelujah. Lightly or for a while. You made him a little lower for a while. For a small time, if you will. From the original word, it means you pay off. That is, you lessen. You reduce him. Praise God. You made him small or ineffective glory. I'm still defining the word little. You made him ineffective. What is ineffectiveness? The original thought is let him have dominion. Man was to have dominion because he was God. But you made him lower. In other words, you made him ineffective. You lessened that ability that you originally gave to him. But for a moment. As we progress, you'll be able to see why the scriptures say creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. 
you decrease him you suffer to decrease a little lower you decrease him you made him smaller by implication you took away certain capacity from his life from the original intention that you have for him but for a moment again I repeat it simply means man is not ending up the way he is now can I hear an amen to that? <laughs> you numbered him lesser. Amen? You brought him to nothing. But you look at the whole thing. God did all this and it's next in his head, but you're mindful of him. Why? Because his intention is still there. Look at verse 4 again. Back to verse 4. Praise the Lord. Verse 4. What are people that you should think about them, mere mortals, that you should care for them? Why are you concerned about mankind? Because his original thought is still there. Is that okay? His original mind for creating man is still there. That is why he cares. And I'm going to make you see why he says you honor him with crown and glory. So he speaks of the protection of man, preserving man, until he gets to the point where he says, return back, oh glory, to where you were. Put back on that authority, that glory, that dominion that you had. My intention be made manifest. So friends, I want to tell you something. God's plan is still on course. And the devil never, never cheated on God in any way. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? You made him lower. A little. I got to find all of that way I've said before. How to do with the word little. For a while, for a moment. You lessen. You reduce him. You made him ineffective. For a little time. Not a long time. Somebody say, but it's a long time now. Well, a thousand years in the sight of the Lord is like a day and a day like a thousand years. So you have to understand the meaning of that. Hallelujah. Now the word lower, the Greek word there, I mean the Hebrew word, actually means to fail. Little lower. A moment you made him to fail. To want. To lessen. To be abated. To bereave. To decrease, to cause to fail, to lack, to lower, to want. You reduce him. It's intentional. I want you to understand that. And this will make you understand that even the fall of man was intentional. Somebody asked me the question a few days ago. We're going to deal with all of that. Is that okay? Yeah. It was intentional. You see, all of those stories you hear that the devil was fighting with God up in the sky and God threw him down so that he doesn't, you know, what I'll do now. You see, plan, well, planning coup, that's what he tell us, isn't it? Yeah, the devil planned coup and then the coup failed or something like that. Now, you guess what? If you are a father, you're wrestling with your subordinate or whatever the case may be, and the guy becomes so tough and strong, Will you now push that individual to meet your own children who are mortal beings? Does it make sense? 
The man, the giant you can't fight, you send the giant to go and fight with your son. If you can't do that as a human being, how do you expect God to throw down any, any creature called devil to come and fight with his people? And you expect them to succeed? And so if they fail, why would God blame them? If, if you think they have to succeed to fight, you should have been able to fight that creature up there in the heavens too. But the story the church gave to us is God could not. Maybe out of fear or whatever, they push him down. And you, why push him down to me? Well, you can't handle him. You should have killed him up there and let me have my peace. So you find out the whole story is a lie. It's a religious fable. All that ever think about it's Isaiah 14. Good enough, you know what Isaiah 14 stands for. All they think about is Isaiah 14. All they think about is Revelation 12. They have no backings to give that story that one creature was stronger than God and God pushed him down to the earth. How will God send the devil to me when he knows I don't have all the power that he has? If he knew the devil was going to do all that he's doing, he should have killed the devil and let me have my peace. What's my offense? That I'm a child of his? Hallelujah. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? So you find that all of those things are nothing. Just human stories and religious, there are no, no backings, no scriptural backings. Praise God. So God reduced man. I'm going to show you how he did that. Amen. Then he said, after I reduce him lower, he now said, you crown him. The word crown means to encircle. Mm. For attack or protection. Praise God. You reduce him. You made him from God. He is God. You brought him down. And then you circle him with protection. Oh glory. That means the level and the state you are, you have a protection from God. God protect you in the state you are. If I may say from any form of attack or embarrassment, as far as the workings of God is concerned. Why will God protect you? Because there's a purpose for your existence. Hallelujah. It means especially to crown, literally or figuratively, to compass, to crown. Then the next thing in the world is glory. You see that crown is saying with glory. Go to verse 5. That's where I'm dealing with King James. The word glory, there is kabod. Which means weight. By only figuratively, I mean, figuratively, it means in sense of splendor, or beauty, copiousness, honor, that which is honorable. It means heavy. That is, in a good sense, it means to be made weighty. Now, by implication, what God is saying here is, of all the things that God has created, even though he made man lower, he crowned him with honor. He's still the king in the midst of all that God has created. Hallelujah. Even though he's lower, he's still the king. He's still in authority. Praise God. And then he said, glory and honor. The word honor is magnificent. You make man, you can imagine the position of man today. Look at creation, look at the things that man is, you know, manufacturing, vehicles, whatever. 
Think about that. Why? Because that is the honor God has given to man. Even though he lowered him, he secured him with honor and glory. Splendor, comeliness, excellency, gloriously. It means glory, it means godliness, I mean goodliness. It means honor, it means majesty. Man is still in the position of majesty, no matter the fact that he's been lowered from their lowing position. I mean, in terms of comparison with all other creatures. For instance, the animal world. Animals live on instincts, remember that. But man can think, man can reason. But animals live on instincts. You see, if you get the weaver bed, if you know what's called the weaver bed, you can Google it. There's a few who have gone in the township, you don't understand anything. You need to go read books and to be able to know. But this is the fact we are brought up in the village, we know what weaver bed is. You know what's weaver bed? Okay. Now, the weaver bed often builds its nest with the mouth upside down. Is that okay? Take a weaver bed, the chick, small one. Take it out, bring it to a house, build a cage for the little bird, let it grow, and then by the time it gets to a level, release the weaver bird, even after two, three years, right? Release the weaver bird. When it's building its nest, it's going to build the nest upside down, even though it hasn't learned it from any of the, the mother or whatever. Why? The instinct to build the nest is right on the head of the weaver bird. They are created to live on instinct. They are created to work on instinct. But man is to the crown of all the things that God has created. Whether animals, bed, whatever. Man thinks, man reason why? Because man is still made in the image and likeness of God. Amen? Praise God. And let me give you an example here. Look at Hebrew 2 verse number 9. Mm -hmm. Glory, glory. Can you see this? Hebrew 2 verse number 9. But we see Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you understand that Jesus is God? We believe that? Some people are debating that. Well, who was made what? A little lower than the angels. Can you see this? For the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Did you get that? He was made a little lower. So, for him to die, it has to be lowered. From being God. Are you there with me? We see you made a little lower than the angels. The same word there, which you'll find in Psalm 8, verse number 5. 4, 5. The same word alone. He was made a little lower. That there's a position. So you find that you came out of God... And then you were lowered. Jesus came out of the spirit realm. He was lowered. When he became a human being, he was lowered than the angel. But guess what? By the time he rose from the grave, he got back to where he was supposed to be. Spirit. Hallelujah. Are you following this? So man was made a little, Jesus was made a little lower than, and look at all of those things we find there, for the suffering of death. And then he said, crowned with glory and honor. The same thing, that God said man was supposed to experience. Did you find that there? In Psalm 8. Good. Made him a little lower than the angels. You're crowning with honor and glory. Same thing Jesus has got here. Are you seeing that? So when he became a human being, that was a lowering. 
He left the essence of spirit as God became a human being. He was lowered. You came out of God from the dominion that God has for you. Right? And then you were lowered. A little lower. Again. Let's go now to Genesis 2 verse number 7. Genesis 2 verse number 7. And the Lord God found man who glory of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Watch this. In Genesis 1, 26, 27, let's make man our image after likeness. You got that? Are we here? Good. In Genesis 1, 26, 27, let's make man our image after our likeness. Let it have dominion. Now when you come to Genesis 2, verse 7, let's make man, I mean, what's happened? God formed man where? Of the dust of the ground. He was lowered from the spirit essence to that of a dust. This is a lowering. This is what now David was talking about in Psalm 8. Can you get it? Are you following? Jesus was lowered from spirit essence. Is that okay? To that of a human being. Man who was in spirit was brought down to earthly nature. Can I say something? You see, this is the beginning of sin. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? The propensity to sin was introduced to the original man that could not have the ability to sin. The man of Genesis 1, 27 can't sin. He was made in the image and likeness of God. He had authority, he had dominion. He was a light being. So for that man to be able to inhabit the earth, to manage... Now, go back. Let's go back to verse... Uh, what did you put on there? Genesis 1, 7. That's what I said. Okay, sorry. Genesis 2, 7. Yes, that's what. Go back to verse number... Let's look at verse 5 and 6. I will show you something now. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the land before it grew, for the Lord God hath not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Did you get this? He created everything, but no man was there to till the ground. What's the next thing? Verse 6. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Right? And then the next thing I says, and now God formed man. Why did God form man? So that man can be there to till the ground. Is that okay? At this stage, like I said, man has already fallen. Remember, a little lower. It means to lessen. It means to make ineffective. So, man in Genesis 2, 7 was made ineffective. Now, it has a propensity to sin. Is that okay? Are we together? But Genesis 1, 26, 27, that man cannot 
Now you can understand what the Bible says. Is the light and the darkness cannot comprehend it. That is the taste of the man of Genesis 1, 26-27, which you read in John chapter 1. The darkness could not comprehend, could not understand, cannot overtake. And that's why I explained to you in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Bible tells you precisely that Adam didn't sin, it was a woman that was in transgression. Why? Because at that stage was more or less a light being, and there is no way darkness can comprehend light. Praise God. So you will find a man was not lower. This is the lowering that David was talking about now in Psalm 8. Man was reduced from the spiritual sense and made to become a human being with the art nature. And one thing again is so that he can relate to the art and be able to manage the art. Because you see, you can't control what you have no relationship over. You have to have a relationship to whatever realm you must have dominion. So for man to have dominion over the earth, he has to have association with the earth. For God to redeem man, he has to become man. Are you getting that? If God has not become man, he will not be able to redeem man. If man must control the earth, he has to have earthly nature to be able to control the earth. Amen? Are we here? Praise the Lord. Let me show you something. Genesis 3 now. Chapter 1. I mean chapter 3 verse 1. Genesis 3 verse number 1. We're going to be dealing with this fully. Now, watch this. The serpent was more subtle than any base of the field which the Lord God has made. Hmm? And he said unto the woman, you know the rest of the story, isn't it? The serpent was more subtle than what? Any beast. So the serpent was created a beast from the beginning. It was never created an angel. Read it. It's right there. The serpent, like you find in the book of Revelation 12, right? The Bible calls him the dragon, the serpent, that old serpent, as a matter of fact. Remember that? Revelation 12. That old serpent, the dragon, the devil that deceived the whole world was cast down. That's what the Bible says. The old serpent is referring now to Genesis 3, verse number 1. And there is no scripture elsewhere that says that the serpent was an angel. Never. So all the story that God was fighting was an angel in heaven called devil was a lie. It's a lie, not even was. He's still a lie. That is human conjecture. That is human theories that men have fabricated to be able to have something to tell the people because they have no explanation as to why things are the way they are. And how many of you understand the book of Isaiah? What did he say? I created the waster, the destroy. I created the smith that blew the fire. Where? On the coal. Who did that? God did it. There is nowhere in scripture, 
In 2 Corinthians, when he begin to talk about the devil transformed as an angel of light. Wow. <laughs> when you transform, if you read other translations, say the devil masqueraded. When you masquerade, you are not what you are masquerading. A masquerade is not the original thing. He's pretending to be what he's not. Why are you not ascribing to him to be an angel? When he was never created to be an angel. The devil was never. He was created a beast from the one. What was the purpose of this beast? So that now he can tempt man who had been lowered. If, if man had to remain in Genesis 1, 26, 27, the devil will have no power to tempt him. But once it was brought down to Genesis 2, verse 7, the propensity to sin was introduced into man, was the original man, and now the devil was created to do the job that he was supposed to do, and that's to do what? To tempt him. Remember, when God said this, my beloved son, whom I wear, please hear you him. The book of Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was going through the baptism. I'm not if you remember the story. What's the next thing that happened? In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says, and the spirit led him. He didn't go to the wilderness by himself. Give it to me. Matthew chapter 4. Verse number 1. Then what Jesus led up where? Of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What was the offense of Jesus? Yeah, you are. The only reason why the spirit had to take him to be tempted by the devil is because the voice came, this my beloved son. So the next thing is, let's see if truly the son of God. What's the meaning of that? Every son must obey the father. That's all. So the whole temptation is to prove whether Jesus can obey God or not. Adam was created or made to have dominion and the devil came in. God sent the devil to tempt him whether Adam will not touch that tree. Because he said, this tree, you must not eat it. True of knowledge of good and evil. Are you following that? Very good. Now guess what? Who introduced the tree? There were several trees in the garden. And he went and said, you see this one? Don't eat it. Tell your child, don't enter that room. Once you say, don't enter that room, you already proved something. This guy's catching it. You catch what I'm talking about? Yeah. You already created an inquisitive spirit. Why is my father saying don't enter that room? It is God that deliberately pointed out the truth of knowledge of good and evil. Are you following what I'm talking about? And now man already falling had the propensity to sin, but now he has now inquisitiveness. Why is God saying we must not eat of this tree? And the devil say, oh, you know what? God is saying that because, you know, when you eat, you're going to be like God. You see that? They got an answer from a neighbor. But the whole thing was to see if Adam can actually do what? Obey God. That is what happened here in Matthew chapter 4. Because the world said, this my beloved son. And as soon as that happens, the next thing, the spirit, not the devil, the spirit, God himself put him to the wilderness and then send the devil there again. Go walk on him. Hallelujah. 
And so when you look at it from the account of the book of Mark, the Bible says, after the temptation, and he was able to overcome, angels came and did what? Minister to him. You know what? What he's trying to say, now we find somebody who can have dominion because he obeys God. So one of the things that causes you to have dominion is your obedience to who? To God. That's all. Now we can find somebody to rule the earth because he can obey God. But all of this that I'm saying, they were not a trick on the devil. I mean, on God. The devil never played trick on God. The devil never had, you know, remember, the God we serve is the science God. He knows the end from the beginning. So, when he started making man, when he started creating man, he knew that man was going to fall. You know why I'm saying that? I will let you know as we progress. The Bible says, Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. The foundation of the world was not when the world was created. If you look at that from the book of, I think, um, Revelation 13, 8, I'm sure. When you look at that, uh, it tells you Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. And what that, that word there is not talking about the creation. Is that okay? Oh, there you are. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb. Slain from what? The foundation of the world. That word foundation have not to do with the day God started making the world. The word foundation is katabole. Katabole in the Greek means to be founded. You know what that means? If a ship is sailing on the high sea and it comes to a shallow ground and it got stuck there, you say the ship has founded. So we're talking about when the world got grinded through the introduction of sin. That's what he's talking about. Are you getting that? Now, Christ was slain, meaning provision was made before the wall got grinded. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying? Huh? So it's not as if the devil had a trick on God. No, no, no. God knew this is what's going to happen. He's the one that sent the devil to do all of those trials like he did to Jesus Christ. But before that was done, before ever you became a sinner, before the world got into corruption, provision was already what? Made. That's ever before it happened. The lamb was already slain before man committed the sin. Not because God has an agenda for creation. Hallelujah. Are we following this? You see, we're going to go into perspective as to knowing why we are believers, what is God doing, why are we here, for how long are we going to be here? We need to have an understanding. That's why we are believers. That's why we are serving the living God. We are not just serving God as, you know, like the other camp, they tell you when you go to heaven, you're going to have uh, 58 virgins, or how many virgins are they talking about? You know, we are not talking about, those are fairy stories. We need to know exactly why we are here, why we are human beings. You need to know why you are a believer. You need to know why you are a Christian. What is God doing with mankind? At the series I'm running, God is not having a, I mean, a guinea pig farm, just doing an experiment with human beings. He has a purpose, he has a plan. So before that, which is called the devil was slain, God made a provision. Man is going to be redeemed through the blood of the lamb. He already gave out the blood before man ever sinned. So the devil never took God by surprise. Does that make sense to you? Praise God. Okay, a few more minutes. Go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. 
Woof. I like this. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Romans 8 verse number 28. You know, sometimes people wonder, why don't you teach us how to succeed? Why don't you teach us? But I'm sure I've done that quite a couple of times, isn't it? Now, you see, seeking for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all those things shall be added. Just know who you are. Just know that you are a son of God. Just understand that you are joined heir with Christ. And when you become an heir, you inherit all things. I don't have to teach you about your father's property. The earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. Amen? Be a child of God, then what belongs to God, which is the earth, is yours. All things, Paul say, are yours. Hallelujah. Next year is going to be a good year. On Sunday, I'm going, to, I'm going to open that to you. You know, Maxwell sent a message and was asking me, what is God talking to you about? I've been having some restraint anyway. For almost since last month, the Lord has been speaking to me on that. It's touching what he intends to do with us as a body next year. I just kept my cool. So this morning, woke up, sent a message. and said, this is what the Lord was ministering to me. I had a revelation. And I came to you and asked you a question. What is God saying concerning 2023? Concerning this house? I was in the bathroom when the question came. I said, well, here's what God has been telling me. Isaiah 60 verse 7 is where God has been sharing with me for the past one month. But I've had restraint. I didn't want to talk about it. But when he said he had a revelation, I mean, and he was asking me the question, I have to give an answer. We'll talk a little about that on Sunday. Amen. Look at this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. There is a purpose for the calling. There's a purpose why you're a Christian. You got a reason for that. Not everybody is called right now. We call to be saints. We call to be partakers of the inheritance of the grace and light. There is a purpose for that. And this purpose is going to translate to all mankind. Hallelujah. But you see, we must have first fruits. Amen. And that is why you are privileged. And those of you listening to me and can be able to stay on with the broadcast, you are privileged to hear these things. And not just that, you're privileged to believe and to know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you are becoming an heir, or what we call an elect by grace, in the midst of other people. They know the things that they don't know so that progress. Civilly, you come to the place where you'll be able to stand and make some declaration at the end of the day. Creation is waiting for sons. Who knows? You could be one of them. Hallelujah. But the calling is according to what? His purpose. You are not just called for... So what's the purpose? Let's look at the purpose a little bit. Go ahead. Verse 29. For whom he did for new for knowledge. He also predestinated to be conformed to what? The image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among what? Many brethren. That's the purpose of the calling. So just like the firstborn was, you are to become that. Then you are now going to be part of the people to go forth and become saviors that are rising out of here, man's life. 
That's the purpose. What is the image? Remember that. Let's move down a little bit. Hallelujah. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, not predestination, I taught you here, right? Had nothing to do with had an accident that you predestinate to die. No, 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 no. Predestination is to be conformed to the image of who? Of Christ. Okay. But by whom he did predestinate them, he also called. Whom he called them, he also justified. Just like he has never sinned. Justified. Oh, come on. By the blood of Jesus. Is that okay? He called you. He justified you. He said you are guilty. I mean, you are not guilty. You are discharged and acquitted. You are justified. Just as if you have never sinned. And to whom he justified, he does what? He also glorified. And Jesus will say, glorify thou me with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the foundation of the world or when I was with thee. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Man was lowered, but it had to be a glorification. A moving back to the place of dominion. This is for a season. What is a season? A little lower for a time, for a period. Is that okay? Right. And then man is going back to where he was. Place of dominion. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Amen? What is the glorification? We're coming back to the place of the same authority that Jesus is. Being the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. And so Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 will tell you who Jesus is. Where we are coming to, where we are going to. Who being what? The brightness of his glory and the express image of what of his person. And upholding not him by the word of his power. Whom he has for himself purged our sins. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. But if a part is the key point. Who being... Hallelujah. Who being the brightness of what? Of his glory. And what? The express image of his person. So get what? Look at what he said in Genesis chapter 1, 20, 27. Let's be mine our image. And after our likeness, I'll let him have dominion. Can you get it now? So Jesus is the express image and the glory of God. And whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he also do what? Glorified. To become what? The same express image and glory of God on the face of the earth. And so Jesus becomes the first man to taste that. So again, very quickly, Colossians 1, 14, 15. Colossians 1, 14, 15. Hallelujah. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, justified. Hallelujah. Now remember, for who be for new, he also do what? Call and predestinate. Is that okay? Right. And such people are the ones that will be forgiven. You and I. And this is not the end. The rest of humanity are going to come in. But God is raising a people. Savior shall arise up Mount Zion. A group of people shall walk on this face of the earth with the same identity and dominion that Jesus had because the firstborn among many brethren. Praise God. When we have redemption, where are we? Okay. When we have redemption through his blood, 
even the forgiveness of what? Of sins. Verse 15. Who is what? The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of what? Every creature. Did you get that? Who is what? The image of the invisible God. That's what we're saying. Let's make mine our image after our likeness. Let it have dominion. So Jesus demonstrated the fact that the unseen God can be seen. So the brethren of Jesus, who are the sons of God, will also come to that place of demonstrating that the unseen God can be seen. Praise God. And so Jesus will say, if you have seen me, you have done what? You have seen the Father. Same picture. Somebody said, but that's about Jesus. And Paul will say, be ye imitators of me, even I'm also imitator of Christ. Hallelujah. Did you get a chain now? By implication, Paul is saying, if you look at me, you're able to get to Jesus. You get to Jesus, you're able to get to God. You get to God, you're already in heaven. Praise God. So I am a door. And that will be hard. Jesus said, I am the door. <laughs> so what Paul said is saying, I am a door. You can also walk through me and get to God. Because if you come through me, you get to Jesus. You get to Jesus, you get to God. Jesus said, I am the door, I am the way. Okay, praise God. It's not only the way. You are also becoming a way. Hallelujah. Remember, somebody will say that's blasphemous. Okay. What will you do with that Romans chapter 8 that we just read? Is the firstborn among many brethren. So if it's a door, what are you supposed to be? A door. If it's a way, what are you supposed to be? A way. Are you getting that? That's why Paul is saying, be imitators of me. He didn't say, look at Jesus. Say, look at me. Did you get the picture there? Hey, look at my life. If you can follow me, you get to God. If I he didn't say, look at me, and then get to Jesus. I am already imitating Jesus. You imitate me. Full stop. Me here. I'm, you are seeing me. Imitate me. You're going to get to him. Just imitate me. Don't look at somebody else. That means it's a door. That means it's a way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Are you following what I'm saying here? And that is what God intends these people to come into. That's what God has in mind. That through the sons that are going to be on the face of the earth. When you see the son, you see the father. When you walk with the son, you're going back to the father. You're going back to the place of authority, dominion, power. As God has ordained. Amen. So what is man that we are mindful of him? Because he is the image and glory of God. And so God has to protect him. Even as you are here, you are protected. You may not know. This revelation will cause you to know that your protection is guaranteed. Why? Because you have foreknowledge. You mean that there's foreknowledge about you. There's a predestination about your life. You've been called by God. You've been justified by God. You're going to be glorified. Amen. And God has to protect you until you come to that place of glorification. We are going there and we're going to get there. Can I hear an amen? amen? God bless you. I'll see you again. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org. God bless you.